0: Blue check mark could be back and gone again between now and when this episode drops. <laughs>
1: Completely possible. <laughs> Completely possible. That was, anyway, that was a mouthful. But let's let's see where you go with this.
0: <laughs> so like you hit on exactly the point before. Like I think everything was really, really binary a year ago.
1: Do you hear yourself? Because I was just about to say. I don't know how to respond other than to say, I think you're right. That
0: sounds so good. Just keep saying it. Just keep saying it over yeah, and over yeah. again. Yeah,
1: yeah, That's going to be, that. Jeremiah's going to make that the, the cold open, I'm sure.
0: Hey guys, welcome back to the Results Junkies podcast. We've got a veritable alphabet soup of things that we both want to cover that we're just not going to get into the show today. But, uh, but up top, we've got, um, you know, Twitter and and where things are with elon and and gosh I mean we could take a whole show there um, there's some interesting decks that we want to discuss and we want to loop back on some themes about entry point that um, that I think are are very relevant and important um yeah you know, there's there's um there's an interesting tweet thread out there that I think ties back to what some companies are doing publicly in the face of um you know the the layoffs and and all that stuff, but you know doing things. We're talking about companies that are still in high growth mode, um, like Lyft, for example. So there's just a whole soup of things, and um, and and I do think that there's actually potentially a Beacon's update maybe buried in there somewhere. Paul, like, is it is there is there new code?
1: Uh, there's lots of new code. Um, okay. Yeah, I'll tell you about it afterwards. <laughs> I'll tell you when we get to it. <laughs>
0: okay. All right. All right. So. So for folks who are just tuning in, you can find us, uh, you can email us topics or questions, show at resultsjunkies.com on social media. He is at Paul Singh and I am at pizza in motion. And there's a link in the show notes where you can leave us a quick review and a rating, which we would love. Where do you think we get started? It seems like Twitter is probably the the thing to tee off on, huh?
1: Yeah, let's just talk about that because I think we're both sort of in that uh, moment or mode just... Just given our pre-show conversation. So, uh yeah, because yeah, as no, for, we were talking we're, about uh, it, we were both coming at it from very different angles. So I think that became funny. Very fun in different angles. I
0: thought that was interesting. Like, I, I did think there'd be, I thought we'd be closer to the same themes even if we didn't agree.
1: I, I don't know where to like bite this off. So let's just kind of dive in, see where we go. So completely anecdotal, I have no data to prove this, Uh but I will say on the on a personal note, sort of feels like the algorithms are changing. Um I feel like my my own feed is just, it just, it just doesn't feel as tight or as, as focused as it used to be. And I don't know if that's a good thing or bad thing. I just, in the last five or six days, it really feels like it's changing. Um, and then on a more professional note, I, I don't know whether this is true or not, but I've seen a bunch of tweets floating around that Elon may be actually coding himself as well. Like he submitted a pull request, which uh, on a professional note is kind of cool to think that you know, he might have rolled his sleeves up and started pecking at a keyboard. But I think, I, and I guess maybe just to kickstart this and then I'll kind of see where you go, because I think this is where we both had differing opinions. Uh, uh, on a personal note, you know, it's kind of scary to see the the algorithm change. And and it's and maybe scary is not the right word, but sad is the right word, I think, for me, where it's like, I feel like I can attribute millions of dollars of investment returns to People and relationships that I made via Twitter over the last decade or more, um, and the idea that it might change or get worse feels sad to me. Uh, but you had a very different take on that. I, I thought you were going to give me compassion and make me feel good.
0: <laughs> but no, you did. But you no, were you
1: unemotional <laughs> and completely rational as usual.
0: <laughs> even even if I even if I agree with you, you know I wasn't going to give you compassion. But um, <laughs> yeah, and there's another thread that I want to pull on uh, after we talk about this. Just on the on the. Uh, uh, the, the, sort of like the blue check mark stuff but to your point i think twitter has largely worked for me um it's the twitter platform i'm most, uh, sorry it's the social media platform i'm most active on and and i would say where i make the most genuine connections to your point whether it's um, an investment deck or connecting with travel brands for you know my other pod and the and the blog and all that stuff but it's you know for me it's always been very conversational different in a way than facebook and and i've closed a number of deals because of Twitter, you know, certainly a lot less than you have. Uh, but, but, you know, like I said in pre-show, I think, I think this is one of the parts of Twitter that was largely broken in that, um, you know, we, we, I've never paid Twitter anything. I don't think I mean, maybe, maybe I tried promoting a tweet like a billion years ago or something like that. But, uh, but I've gotten a ton of, uh, I got a ton of value from Twitter um, I haven't given anything back in terms of any sort of paid subscription rent or revenue or anything like that, and you know, I mean, their ad revenue kind of sucks um, compared to their um, their contemporaries, and so they, they certainly haven't monetized me in a in a very meaningful fashion. So I, I'd argue that if this were a startup company in our portfolio, even though you and I like it, uh, it's broken um, because it's not really producing revenue. Like, if we're not the if we're not paying them as the customer, then we're the product and you know they're not monetizing it on either side for you and I right now, and we're not alone.
1: I I think what you're saying, like I think the, the the macro of what you're saying though is is that it wasn't working before. As much as I might like it, it wasn't working before, and so the change is necessary. Is that sort of a
0: yeah fair? Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. I mean, if I think, I'm thinking-
0: I, think I, I, I think Parag did an absolutely wonderful job whitewashing the problems that. Twitter had with Parag was the old CEO. I think he did an incredible job whitewashing their problems.
1: Yeah, I I think I think you're right in that sense. I think you're right. Um, and I don't I don't know how to respond other than to say I think you're right. You're you know again I'm coming up from a personal so just standpoint. keep saying it,
0: just keep saying it over. Yeah, and over yeah, again.
1: that's gonna be that Jeremiah's gonna make that the the cold open. I'm sure, but but I I, I think you know again I'm being uh, maybe personal here or emotional here where I'm like oh, change is scary and gosh, I really don't want to have to go somewhere else. (laughs) Um, But you're right. You're right. I mean, it's not sustainable in its current form. There's a lot of noise. But, um, you know, this whole blue checkmark thing seems to be a bit of a debacle. I think that, you know, you're, you're right in the sense that uh, you know him putting it out there quickly and pulling it back quickly is kind of what you want to see founders do. On the other hand, I don't. I mean, I, I, I don't know. It's, it's just it doesn't feel right. The whole thing, like it, it, when you're talking about a user base that large, it just it just doesn't feel right. It seems confusing, and it's certainly not helping his efforts to shore up the advertising dollars. Sad part is like now that they're not a public company anymore, we're not going to see any of the reports. So yeah, yeah for
0: <laughs> your sure. guess is
1: going to be as good as mine, but it'll be an interesting
0: case study. Well, and. You know, to your point on on the, the revenue side of things, not being able to see it, you know, I'm insanely curious about that side of it um, and not necessarily the advertising side, because I think it's too early to really draw um, any any sort of like conclusions from the data that's out there for him you know, owning it like, you know, 17 minutes or something like that. But on the blue checkmark thing, it's like, you know, like, look, I mean, like it's easy for us to sit here on a podcast and have you know 2020 hindsight. Um, I'm going to tell you that, you know, having heard the suggestion prior to launch of, you know, prior to him launching it of this, you know, $8 a month to get a blue check mark, I was like, yeah it sounds like a pretty good idea. You know, and I was thinking about it sort of like why you said you were sad that Twitter was changing. It was like, wow, like that's good for me. I've never been able to get a blue check mark. I tried a couple of times and just wasn't special enough for the algorithm. So like, if you could pay, if I could pay eight bucks, well, gosh, like that's, like I would pay that to have my tweets amplified and have some more validity like sign me up. That sounds great. I'm sure they're going to make a lot of money off of that. And I never saw uh like everything like happened in the last couple of days of like, you know, all of a sudden George Washington has an account and then you know George W Bush had you know like the one I saw yesterday which I thought was kind of funny was um maybe not funny but you know but like just had the how people are spinning this stuff and it's like you're George W Bush you know saying, you know, I, I miss killing iraqis and then um, you know, Tony Brer jumping in saying, me too, and just like people people instantly figuring out how to crash this um, yeah. and make Elon look stupid. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, to, you, to what you said earlier, which is what I said in the pre-show, this is exactly what I want my founders doing. It's like, hey, let's roll something out, let's charge some money, let's see if it works, and if it blows up in our face, we need to kill it quickly and either rebuild it or go do something else. And I don't know yeah. whether he's going to rebuild it or go somewhere else, but he put it out Clearly, there are some flaws, and some very smart people, you know, beating the tar out of him on it, and so he pulled it. Yeah, yeah.
1: No, I, I mean, I, I can't disagree with you there. I, I, I guess maybe the, the thing I would just say about this is like he and every other founder we know is in a, in the unenviable position of nobody's gonna ever think you did it right. But again, I agree with you. Like shipping fast, whether it's to launch something or kill it, is, is, is important. So it's, it's kind of fun to see, see it happening. But we'll, we'll see. Like. Again, I, I think like the, the part is that I just, you don't know what, what to believe anymore because it is a private company, right? So we have no idea what's happening to revenue or what's happening to, you know, anything. We just, we're sort of like all piecing it together based on our feeds, I suppose. So it, it'll be interesting to see, I guess somehow maybe in the future, the like what ends up happening to their revenue? Like, does he actually turn this thing around before, ha- you know, losing even more? I don't know. I I don't know, you know? <laughs> so... Well, we'll see
0: yeah I mean I think I think it's also probably worth noting this is a great timestamp uh moment it's uh it's Friday November eleventh when we're recording this so recording it before I hop out in the road this week and Paul has some uh road stuff as well um <laughs> for all we know, blue check mark could be back and gone again between now and when this episode drops
1: <laughs> completely possible <laughs> completely possible.
0: <laughs> uh so i guess and i and i sort of to close off the twitter thing i will just ask you know i i know well I don't know this for certain but I'm like ninety nine percent and ninety nine percent certain you had a blue check mark before right
1: yeah i've 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 been verified for i don't know i don't know, maybe like ten years or something like that um yeah, yeah so. which by the way, I will say like i maybe I'm not that smart, but um before they yanked the program, I couldn't find a way to pay the $8. In fact, I, I want to say that the the only paid option for me was like Twitter Blue, and that was like $4.99 or something like that. So I wonder if there was some sort of different treatment for people that were grandfathered. I don't know. Yeah, but but yes, to answer your question, I was verified a while ago. and and But it, it was at a different time. I mean, I think people forget that like, I, as I recall, the original purpose of verific- account verification was that um, for quote unquote higher profile accounts, which I'm not there compared to like Ashton Kutcher, whoever, but but like for higher profile accounts, that that was a way once you verified it was a way to kind of lock things down even further and um yeah. you know prevent spoof accounts and and that sort of thing. So it, it came from a very different place. Um and as you pointed out, like putting a paywall on it seems like a good idea until you realize what just happened, which is like, um I guess if I had to be really direct, I feel like what happened with when they put the paywall on it is that Twitter quickly turned into LinkedIn, where, you know, all of a sudden your DMs are getting flooded by anybody willing to pay eight dollars a month to Twitter.
0: In mail. Yes. LinkedIn. Yes. <laughs>
1: right. And and I think I think, you know, uh, a lot of once anyway, I I don't think there was any one reason why they killed this program. I think it was just a lot of bad things started happening that killed engagement. Like I know even in just the three or four short days that it was up. Like, my inbox was crazy. It, you know, I feel like 90% of it was just, you know, crypto spammy stuff. And then 10% was just weird, cold DMs selling me stuff. And it just really killed the, it, it, it just killed it entirely for me. And then, you know, I, I think they noticed that. so
0: Yeah, and, and I'm I'm curious, um, just before we put a pin in Twitter, if you weren't verified, and let's rewind three days before, you know, everything that just happened happened. If you weren't verified, um, given that Twitter is one of your primary platforms, would you have paid eight bucks a month?
1: I don't think I would have. No. Um, Look, I'm still a believer. Okay, so I'm still a believer that you know when it comes to putting content out there, whether it's via social or uh, blogs or whatever you want to do, I think the first thing you got to do is really just do something interesting and then tell people about it. And I think... You know, hacking your way to sort of some sort of platform by paying somebody um, is just sort of a recipe for disaster uh, on the creator side of things. Um, if, if I could go one step further and say that, you know, say something from the other side, I would say that like, I don't think they should have put a paywall on verified. I think um, there probably should have been a, another tier involved. So like, for example, verified, like for me to get verified a decade ago, I had to actually my, with my identification who I was. And, and that's how I got that check Mark. Um, right. and I think that had they launched this thing or when they launched this thing, what they should have done is instead of trying to piggyback this $8 plan on the verification, which just watered down what the real verification was, it, this should have been like a Twitter plus or something like that. Um, you know, I, I, you know, I think it should have been something like that. Um, and I think I think the fact that so many people jumped on the op or, well again, we don't have access to data, but given how many people wanted that check mark, I think what they probably should have done is double down on uh, real ID verification, you know for, for that verified program yeah, uh, in agreed. parallel to like a Twitter plus or whatever at eight dollars a month that you know lets you get more features but is not actually fully verified. Um, but but anyway, I didn't pay forty four billion dollars for the platform, so my opinion doesn't matter. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, all right, so let's let's pivot into decks um, and and entry points because I think there's a, a bunch of stuff here uh, to sort of sift through, and um, you know, I mean. So we had a little bit of a conversation last week, and we tried to anonymize as much as possible, and I think we'll we'll try to do the same here. But you know, the the in in this age where where capital is much harder to get, entry point matters more than ever. And and what we mean by entry point is where you're pricing year round, and and to some lesser degree, how much you're raising. Um, but I think how much you're raising has become uh, more of a thing. And that I, I you know like I had somebody who approached us yesterday on a deck, and I said you're raising you're not raising enough. Um, just based on how hard it is to raise right now, so like you know, like based on how long I think it's gonna take you to raise your round, like you'll be halfway through the money that you're raising by the time you get there. But you know, you uh, you know, to 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 spin that into this week, you sent me over a deck and you know didn't have the numbers and you clarified them for me afterwards. But uh, you know, it, it it was an interesting, I won't say parallel, but it was an interesting data point after our discussion last week.
1: Yeah. Okay. So so to put this into context, so last week we were talking about um, you know how much entry. P- Price matters, uh, and so uh, what I had said at the time was, "Is here's a great founder, a great company, or seems to be an interesting company, I should say, with a little bit of revenue." Um, however, the uh, terms they've proposed are on a twenty million dollar pre-money, I believe, and and I said at the time, you know, in the last episode, that like entry point matters. It's hard to kind of like, you know, now I'm hung up on this one point, point, and now it's going to make this deal probably harder, maybe not even happen for me. Anyway, the point of it is, I want to just kind of like clarify that a little bit more, that entry point does matter, but the industry you're in matters as well. So in other words, in the industry that that last week's deck was in, there haven't really been uh, any, I don't think there's been any exits in that particular space north of $100 million, um, Which, you know, even if that happened,
0: I think I said north of 50.
1: Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, yeah. And so like, even if that did happen, even if that team got a $50 million exit, that's great for them. Uh, And and don't get me wrong, even if I got in at a 20 mil pre and let's just, again, like for easy math, let's not worry about further dilution or whatever. But if I got like a two X or two and a half X return on my money, I'm not sad. Let's just be clear about that. Like we've said on the episode for months now, we're portfolio constructors, not deal pickers. And so, a two and a half x return on one company, when you know eighty percent of the rest are going to eventually fail anyway, it, it doesn't really move the needle. Uh, it doesn't even. It probably doesn't even cover the losses that the rest of the portfolio incurs. Um, so the so the entry point matters, and you have to be kind of realistic about the industry you're in. So, with the deck that I sent over today, that we're talking about. You know, here's a deck that, or a, a company that's, um, looks like they're going to do um, a $15 million pre, but they've got a million or more, uh, or I'm sorry, uh, yeah, they're, they're on track for a million in annual revenue recurring, um, you know, and you can see the ramp over the last nine or 10 months now, so, but it's also in the B2B space. So, like, start you know, stepping in at a 15 mil pre money, if that's what it ends up being, is not so scary. But in the vein of like kind of talking about deals in a way that founders don't normally hear, I think it was interesting that, you know, uh, you you brought up, so in the pre-show we were talking about this and you said something like, um, I, you essentially were kind of, not implying, but just kind of like, I think the, pr- the price also kind of got you hung up on this one. And the way I kind of worded it, to, or my response to you was, and again, this is like in the inter- in the interest of founders maybe hearing how we talk about deals behind the scenes. The way I kind of want you to think about it, at least when we talk about these kind of deals is like, would we invest at a 15 mil pre? If if everything else was true about this deal, would we invest? Because we both know that when we're actually committing to these deals, there's almost always uh, a closing condition, meaning it's not like we commit and then wire the money the same day. I mean, that has happened, but typically one of the most common closing conditions is that at least half of the round has to be committed and simultaneously closed. The question really is, is like, if we were, would we be willing to go in at a fifteen million dollar pre on this company as a worst case scenario, with the understanding that if the closing happens, then the closing happens, Um, but also with the understanding that there is this concept of MFN or most favored nation, where even if you verbally commit, and then the founder decides to change the terms to a more favorable, uh, you know, price we get that. So in other words, if, if you knew that 15 mil was the pre, the, the worst case pre money, would we commit to that knowing that it could also come down? Uh, that was, anyway, that was a mouthful, but let's, let's see where you go with this.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think there's a couple of pieces here. I think first and foremost, you know, it shows, um, it, it shows that the market has moved to some degree, uh, like, like you and I thought it would in that, um, you know, a lot of companies, you know, even, maybe not quite three months ago, call it five or six months ago, we're still putting out numbers where very rarely did I see revenue, uh, companies that had posted revenue that were raising at 15 million pre. So I I definitely think the market has adjusted to some degree. You know, you asked the question, like, would I invest at 15? I think there's two things. I mean, first off, I think that that price is much more in line with where I think the market is. And so to your point, you know, we want to be directionally accurate. And so, if this company came in at thirty or thirty-five or forty, I'd say you know, uh, you know, not not what I'm looking for. Um, you know, on the flip side, I, I'd say like typically, I'm seeing uh, for for rounds like this, I'm, I'm seeing a higher percentage of of dilution. Um, so, call it in the twenty to thirty percent range. And here, this is you know, call it something more like ten percent. So, so that that pops into my head when I'm trying to think about how this is structured, and I think that's important for founders to think. To your point about about how we look at things, because there is this balance, you know. If, like if this were two and a half on thirty, which is roughly the same, um, you know, uh, ratio, I, I'm a no because the price is now too high. I'm not even necessarily thinking about dilution. Like I don't, I never even get there to the discussion. So I think this deck gets is more interesting because of the range that they're raising in. You know that's actually very similar to a deck that I got sent yesterday for a company that's a follow-on for us that raised a little bit of money and they're looking at raising again and in, in, in similar sorts of uh, similar sorts of numbers. But they were looking at more like a they're looking at raising about the same amount of cash, but but more like a twenty percent dilution, if you will. Um, and they're also but they're also in a position where um, they only have like six months worth of cash left, and that sounds like enough. But in today's day and age, I don't think it is. And so to the point of you, the deck that you're looking at and this other one that I talked about, I think they're actually thinking about opening up a safe or reopening a safe that they'd already done to pull in some money so that they can have a little bit more time to to build this round. And I think ultimately now, when you talk about uh, all of these different things, dilution, pricing, you know, who's going to be your lead? Uh, you know, To your point, what's the escrow condition going to be? How much do you have to you know, having the bank before you can break escrow, all that stuff. I think, um, I think it's re- you know really important to understand those conversations are happening much, much more, much slower than, than I've ever seen them.
1: Yeah. 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 I mean, I think I, I don't disagree with you by the way. And again, I think for founders to understand it, it's just, it's important to understand that I think the thing you should be hearing as you talk, as we talk about this is, is like how, uh, maybe different this is than what you hear uh, like when you read those blogs about how how investors think about it, right? Like I'm coming at this, I think, from a very financial standpoint where I'm thinking like, okay, what is the return multiple problem, yep. you know, given the um, distribution of, of failures that happen and that sort of thing. I'm coming at it, I think, mathematically. And, and it's not that you're not coming at it mathematically. I think you're coming at it as well that way, but you're looking at it from the perspective of what's market right now, um, you know, and and that maybe if the dilution... For this round is a little different than what you're seeing in other deals at this moment. Then maybe this deal is priced incorrectly. So these are neither of us is wrong, really. I think it's just for founders to understand that, like, it's just much more gray.
0: Much more gray. That's like you hit on exactly the point before. Like, I think everything was really, really binary a year ago, and a lot, and it was either you're in or you're out. And and if you were in, it was sort of like. Um, you know, you're. It, I feel like you're in a. I felt like we were in a train yard, if you will. And there's, you know, a, a hundred trains, and all of them, like no, you don't you have no idea which one is going to be the next one to start investing. And then all of a sudden, a train starts moving, and you have to jump on the moving train. So there's really no time to do any sort of extensive amount of due diligence on something. It's just a question of how fast the train is going and whether or not you can grab a rung and a step or if you're going to just going to grab a railing and and hopefully pull yourself up. And the market has slowed considerably that we can ask questions and have conversations about these sorts of things so that you and I can debate this. Because to your point, there's no right answer on any of this stuff. Because if if an investor comes in and says, hey, I think you're worth you know, 15 million and plops down half of their round, guess what? You're going to close. Yeah. So like, you know, the, the, the market is telling us what market is and it's doing that on a daily basis. But to the point of what you said about gray, there is a, a ton of gray out there right now. And I think that that, I think it does two things. I understand that it frustrates the hell out of founders. And, and for me, for follow on companies, it certainly is a frustrating point. But for but for getting the right investors, I think it's I think it's actually a good thing because there's one company we have in our portfolio that raised and raised in this period where money was coming in super, super quickly. And then they called me uh, probably like three months after they closed their round and said, hey, how do we get rid of an investor? And my answer was, well, well, you really don't. I mean, unless you want to buy them out. But they had someone who was a real, real problem. Um, that had ended up on their cap table because, again, they like they just they filled the round super quickly. And I, I would say, like, there's at least a, a point here to consider that as much as founders might be ending up with the quote unquote raw end of the deal right now in valuation, I actually think there's some validity to, to getting to know your investors before you get in bed with them, and that just wasn't happening before.
1: Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, I, the yes, S- yes, so much yes. I, I think you know you're touching on something else that, like, I don't think is discussed openly enough, which is that. Um, you know, the the thing about uh raising money is, is that it really is a one-way street. And, you know, if if you just out of desperation or, you know, worse, decide to just let anybody into the round, getting them out is extremely hard, if not nearly impossible. Um, and, you know, before anybody jumps on me, yeah, uh, you you know, you could buy them out, but at what at what price? And and what are the second order effects? You know, if you end up buying one out, do others want to get out? It's just, it's a messy, messy, messy thing. Um, so, you know, I like to tell people you should be picking your investors with as much, you know, uh, diligence as you would, you know, your, your romantic partner, um, you know, because it really is, there's really no going back. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I think, I, I think that like, um, I guess the other thing I just want to say though on this, like, so for example, all right, I'm jumping a little bit around, but but this is kind of, I think, related. So yesterday, I... Um, oh, actually, I tweeted about it today. Uh, I, I tweeted a text that I woke up to from one of our portfolio company founders. And um, what I didn't include... So he, had ta- he had messaged uh, saying that they had just um, signed a term sheet for, um, you know, uh, high eight figures, I guess, whatever that is, you know, tens of millions of dollars. Uh, and this is their third round, so... Um, you know, they're at like a a million a month in uh, MRR, things like that. They're doing pretty well, you know? And anyway, like I was just kind of, you know, saying that, look, regardless of the macro environment, sales companies that happen to be in tech are always going to find it easy to raise. Like he's just raising money left and right as he needs it. Um, as opposed to tech startups that think they can bolt on sales, those, those are the ones that seem to complain that investors don't get it. But, but here's my point. What I didn't include in that text chain was that a little further down in the text he said something like hey I don't know why you picked me or why you bet on me you know 3 or 4 years ago. And and I I I think I sent you that privately but yeah. I was like look yep. man you know here's the deal uh I'm not a better picker than anybody it's not like I have some magic you know f- vision of the future it's just that uh, you know at the end of the day like once you get past all the details of the deal You know, as long as there's nothing red flagged about the deal or the terms or whatever, really it ultimately just comes down to like you're betting on the founder. And my whole thing is is that if a founder can show you incremental progress towards, you know, uh, revenue growth, that's what you're really betting on. Like what you're, you you know, conversely, what you don't want to bet on is like, you know, somebody that could be all over the place, you know, that, that sort of like jumps onto to whatever the sexy bandwagon of the day might be. And then you're like, wait, what did I invest in here? You know, like, did I invest in a, in a lab for you to test a bunch of ideas? I, I, I what, now coming back to this deal, for example, like, you know, ultimately it just comes down to like, if we get past all the deal terms and the, any red flags on the company itself, it's really just a recognition that we're just, you and I are being, you and I being such early stage investors, we're in, we're fundamentally betting on that founder uh, at this stage. Because, you know, like in this case, he's only got 11 months of data, right? I think I sent you the chart, um, yeah. you know, zero revenue last December to 80 or 83K a month, uh, re- monthly MRR, or MRR now. Like we're only talking about, you know, air quotes here, 11 months of data. There's not a whole lot of diligence available here. So as long as his numbers really check out uh, and and there's no red flags on the deal terms or any of that stuff, then, hey, then it really just comes down to, do we want to bet on this guy or this team and and ride it out for the next, you know, worst case scenario, ride it out for a year until they burn out <laughs> or ride it out for six, seven, 10 years until a potential exit happens? I say yes, but that's how I roll. <laughs> Well, I, if I
0: remember correctly, this is a repeat. This is a, 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 either a second or a third time founder, right?
1: Uh, yeah. He, well, uh, yes, with the caveat that all of his other companies have been bootstrapped to millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. So he's done it before, but this would be the first time he's sort of getting on the high growth train. Sure. If that makes sense.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it does. It does. Wh-
1: which, by the way, is an interesting thing that I think all, people also don't think about is that like, I these days, I see a lot of venture-funded founders that exit, move over to the bootstrapping side. This is an interesting case where this person's been bootstrapping multiple companies over the course of a decade or more. I, I met him initially way back at 500 when he was a mentor um, for our startups. I, I admit when he raised his first round, it was a friends and family round a year ago. I passed on it. I, I, I feel bad. Hopefully he's not listening. We'll see. Uh, I feel bad because, you know, it's not that I feel bad that I missed the deal because I've missed plenty of deals. We've talked about that on the show. Um, sure. I feel bad because at the time, like the reason I had to pass on the deal is because I just didn't understand how he was going to, I didn't think he, his his vision was clear enough at the time. And I, and I don't think he would disagree with me on that. But I also didn't know, like I just don't have a whole lot of experience, a lot of good experience with bootstrapped founders switching to venture mode thinking. And watching him... Kind of make that shift over the last ten or eleven months now um, is extremely fascinating uh, and and um you know I think that's worth betting on because he's he's done it I mean for eleven months now, if you look at that chart, it's not like he got four big paying accounts to get to eighty three million dollar or eighty three thousand a month in revenue it's It's hundreds of little ones I mean it's just incremental that's that's just that tenacity is cool i I have a feeling I haven't confirmed this yet but I have a feeling this is his fastest growing company ever. And that's, that's pretty interesting.
0: Yeah, that is interesting. And that, and that he's looking to, he's looking to take his fastest growth company and put it on the venture treadmill.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about this a lot. Uh, He and I, I mean, I shouldn't say a lot, but we've jumped on a bunch of, uh, of, of zooms over the last couple of months talking about it. And I'm like, are you sure? Are you sure? (laughs) And so I guess he's sure. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I'll I'll just say, by the way, I'll just name drop here for a second. Um, This entire segment, by the way, is for Derek Stratton in Iowa. So uh, Derek uh, listens to the podcast and actually emailed me uh, about a week or two ago. And he called me out because he was like, hey, you and Ed keep talking about all these things, but like, it's not exactly like he wants to raise his first round. Um, And and, uh, anyway, he was like you keep telling me like what you don't want to hear and and maybe you kind of like hint at what you do want to hear. Can you just clarify it? So I jumped on a call with him last week for it was scheduled for 30 minutes. I think we went on for about two hours. Um, and uh, I, I don't know that I made his life any easier uh, because it was really like, you know, I was like, D- buddy, you can't say this. Stop saying that. I was like, pitch me, do this, Da-da-da. don't do this. And here we are. He's probably listening to this segment and he's still probably like, what in the world? <laughs> what in the world should I, should I be saying then? Anyway, I, I think like at the end of the day, at least for me, I'll just speak for me and I have a feeling I can speak for you. You know, when we come at this as angels thinking about it from the perspective of we are portfolio constructors, not deal pickers, then the ultimately what it comes down to is, is once you get past any of the business red flags, the deal red flags, all that, it really just comes t- down to something very simple. Uh, do I want this? Founder or founding team to be in that portfolio? Do I think they could, um, you know, potentially, you know, uh, uh, return enough to make the portfolio work? I mean, that's really what it comes down to.
0: No, I think it's look. I mean, I think we could talk about this stuff forever. I think yeah, this this goes back to the 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 comment that there's a lot of gray, and I think that's probably a good place for us to hang up the hooks for this week as well, even though there's lift and beacons and all kinds of other layoffs and crypto falling over and whole oh bunches boy. of topics that we could, that we could cover. But, um, but I think that's I yeah. think that's probably a good place to put a pin in it for now. I'd love to hear feedback from folks up uh, to your point about Derek and stuff like that. Just seeing where we are on, you know, I mean, uh, what are people seeing out there, both founders and investors? Um, because I think you and I have our deal flow, but I am curious what the, what, what the rest of it looks like because I, I don't see, yeah, I just actually don't see a majority of what's out there. So you'll love yeah. to see some feedback from folks on, on what's going on out there. It's a very interesting time for founders and investors.
1: I, I agreed. Agreed. Well, um, awesome. Any Where where are you headed? Uh, any, any travel coming up for you?
0: Yep. I got Vegas. Um, I got Vegas this week. Something new for a change.
1: <laughs> Did you see, by the way, uh, I saw a tweet this morning that the Bellagio... Uh, I'll have to send this to you, but the Bellagio tweeted out a... Photo of what their grandstands might look like for the F one race next year.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm I'm very tempted to buy a ticket because they're less than I thought they would be. they are like three day packages that are like three grand that include race tickets. I'm very do you hear yourself?
1: Because I was just about to say the three day packages are three thousand dollars. There's no way I'm doing that.
0: <laughs> I don't know, man. There's just something about there's just something about seeing those those, those uh those cars go by. I just I don't. Oh man. That. Okay, well, I, I think
1: I might have to raise money then to, to go to the Formula One race in Vegas. You're
0: going to you're gonna, gonna crowdfund your ticket?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, we should do your... Um, speaking of, we are going to have to follow up next week on uh, your, your uh, the business idea we talked about for uh, your fundraising efforts, but I may have to steal some of that and uh, crowdsource or crowdfund my way to the Formula One race in Vegas.
0: <laughs> I love it. I love it. Get right on <laughs> All
1: right, it. man. Always fun. Have a great week.